All right, so we are the church. I feel like I should review because now we are in our fifth week, fifth and final week. So the first week we talked about how we are God's temple. This was like more than a month ago now. And, and really what that was all about is, hey, God came to live and dwell in us, no longer in a building. He's in us. And so as it goes for the way that we live, we're not meant to stand on the sidelines. We're meant to engage as his church because we are what he's got, right? I've said it again and again in this series, nine out of ten times, eight or nine out of ten times, God's going to do something. It's going through our hands. And, and that's beautiful, but it's a real responsibility. And, and within that, consumerism is no part of it. We're not here to consume. We're here to be. Amen? Week two, we talked about the Great Commission. Jesus gave us a, a command to go and make disciples. And um, and a big piece of that was while, while he did send the disciples out into the world, and he may send some of us outside of southwest Minnesota, right now he's got us here. So our prayer there is, Lord, send me here. Show me how I can live the Great Commission in front of me. Third week, we talked about finances. Uh, what what do our finances mean to the church? Because they're a big part of our lives. So if we're the church and we've got finances, what do we do with them? And how do we honor God with that? I heard a great testimony this morning from somebody um, who who had given and, and God had just generously given back to them. And so I just love, love hearing that of how the Lord does that work. And last week we talked about serving. And, and rather than serving being about us, um, we, we close with this prayer, God, what can I do for you? Lord, how can I serve you and be your church? So that's a review. That's what we've been through. And so there's four weeks in a nutshell. I probably didn't even have to teach all those long sermons. I probably could have just given that and I would have done it. But here we are last week. So this week we are talking about what I believe is most important. And I believe that Jesus actually told us, and we're, we're going to touch on this, that this is the most important thing as we are his church. But I want to start again back where I was in worship. And and um, I, I just want to read John 15 again because I, I feel like it is so important for today. And I just want to stay right at the word. So if you've got your Bibles, open them to John 15. I'm going to read it slow. I just encourage you. Um, more important than anything I'm going to say this morning. This is the most important thing to let sink into your heart. Because when the word gets in our heart... It will form us and fashion us. So, so I'm just going to read it again um, and listen in. If you want to close your eyes so you can pay good attention, I, I totally encourage that. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear, bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them up and cast them into the fire as they are burned. In other words, it's useless if you're not abiding. If you abide in me 
and my words in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. I got to read that again. Just as the Father has loved me. He's saying, just as the Father loves his Son, God the Son, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Incredible. 17 incredible verses. Now I've heard pastors say before, don't just read too much in your sermon, you're going to lose people. But I had a moment during worship today that I, I truly con- contemplated, and maybe I should have. I was like, maybe today we should just have different people come up here and everyone just read this over and over again and let it sink in our hearts. Um, this John 15 has been one of my favorite chapters that I have found myself coming back to again and again. And it's not because I feel like my life and behavior resonates with it so well. It's not that. It's not that I'm like, hey, I'm doing this really well, so let me go back and let it affirm me. I've actually found I've got to get back to it to remind myself and let the words of Jesus remind me that I've got to abide in him. I have to. I I knew this week um, that John 15 is what I wanted to preach on. I've had the hardest time coming up with lots of extra things on top of the scripture to add and contribute to preaching. Uh, as funny as that is, uh, and usually I don't have a problem coming up with that kind of stuff, but um, I just found that Jesus speaks so clearly what he means here when he's talking about abiding, that there's not a lot of extra things for me to add. I can already tell this sermon is going to look nothing like my notes. So today, just to demonstrate what Jesus was saying, I brought a branch. And we're talking about being the church, right? And and we've covered, we are the church. Church is not a place. I'll say it again. Church is not a place. It's not an organization. It's a people. And, and I brought this branch, and I was just thinking about what a branch was like um, when reading John 15. And um, you may recognize this branch. Believe it or not, it is hard to find a branch that has green leaves in Minnesota in December. So this may come off of the plant that's in the foyer. And so I'm just going to be honest, this was never going to bear fruit, but we're going to act like this is a branch. Can everyone, you know, use your imaginations. We're going to act like this is a branch that would bear fruit. Jesus 
was teaching his disciples and saying, if you aren't connected to the vine, that is me, no life flow is going to come through you to bear fruit. See, as we are the branch, uh, we are the church, we are God's workmanship, we are his hands and feet. And so often, we try to do church as a branch that's disconnected from the vine. Now, I think all of us in this room, we could all put our heads together and, and say, man, how can we make fruit come from this? We can get our best ideas, our best strategies, our best organization, in every way that we could possibly think. We could put all of our effort together. All of us, we're probably 160 strong in here. That's a lot of people. All of our best ideas. Without the vine, without the vine, we, do you guys think we can come up with a way to make fruit come from this? I mean, we could take some fruit and like tape it. That's literally the only way I could imagine we could ever make fruit even appear to come from this. And sometimes if we're honest as the church, we may try to tape some fruit on when we do things that are disconnected from the vine. I mean, this branch, it can think and struggle as hard as it wants to make fruit, make fruit without the vine. There will be no fruit guaranteed, right? No fruit. We've got to stay connected to the vine. Who is the vine? It's Jesus. Jesus just says it so clear there in John 15. So I have a a few points. And and again, I I submit these points in saying that if I ever had a sermon that I was like, just focus on the scripture and not on Matt's points, I really encourage that today. I mean, really, John 15, that's the main thing. I'm just going to add a a few points of really they're more my reflection than a lot of people's. But the first one, a, a church that's connected to the vine, what does an abiding church look like? Uh, an abiding church prioritizes prayer. Prayer is, prayer and scripture, they are the top way that we are going to connect to the vine. And, and what do we prioritize? You know, if we're prioritizing something, some, there's something that's secondary, right? And so really for me, what, what I'm focusing on in this is we, as an abiding church, prioritize prayer over human insight. See, human insight, it brings productivity, right? And, and we live in a culture that is really driven by productivity. How can we get things done, get things done, get things done? But abiding in Christ won't always bring productivity, Jesus said it brings fruitfulness. There's a difference. See, productivity, it will drive you um, towards accomplishing tasks. Fruitfulness will drive you to becoming like Jesus. See, productivity is what you do. Fruitfulness will shape who you are. Does that make sense? It, right there in the middle of John 15, four, verses 4 and 5. Um, and I think it's on the screen. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot, this branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The, the reality is, as we, as we, as we close up this series about all these great things about how we are the church, we can do the church connected to the vine, or the truth is, we can do the church disconnected from the vine. And we can be really productive. We really can. We can get a lot of things done. But it may not bring fruitfulness. I'm going to illustrate this with myself, if I can be honest with you guys. In the reality that we can do the church with him or without him, um, my weakness as a pastor is this, is that sometimes... I get this a, a really good idea, and I think, and I just jump right after it. We gotta do that. And sure, sometimes they may be God inspired, but I, I even had a moment this week, and we had an elder meeting this week, and I'm just being honest, and I'm sure the elders noticed this, um, and the elder that said this, I'm grateful they did. I, I had an idea that I, or just a topic I brought up, and I was like, man, I really think we should be thinking about this. And one of the elders chimed in and said, yes, we should be praying about this. And it, and it dawned on me. I've done a lot of thinking about this topic. But very little praying about this topic. And it, and it put a check in my heart. That I was, grow, I was trying to grow fruit from a branch that wasn't connected to the vine. I hadn't gone to the source. I hadn't started with the source. See, a church that is abiding in Christ. Just as Jesus instructed... It prioritizes prayer. I, I really confess to you guys, and I ask you to keep me in check. Ask me when we do something, Matt, did you pray about that? And I want to be honest with you in that because it is so primary. See, if I do things with my ideas, again, I'm repeating myself, it only will lead to productivity. It may look like good productivity, but it's just going to lead to productivity. It may not actually lead to fruitfulness. Let me tell you, I need fruit. Victory needs fruit. In southwest Minnesota, they need fruit from the vine. Amen? Thank you. Uh, one of the best illustrations of this that I see in Scripture, uh, outside of the branch thing, Jesus had another story. It's from Luke 10, and I think this is on the screen. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Uh, this is what happened in the story. Now as they were traveling along, he, as in Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She and her sister Mary, you know, the sisters Mary and Martha, that might ring a bell with the story of Lazarus. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and came up to him, as in Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. See, last week we talked about serving, so I'm really going to contradict myself here a little bit. <laughs> not really. Martha, see, when Jesus got to the house, she looked up and she said, productivity. I've got to be productive. I've got to get stuff done. Now, I have thought to myself in hearing this story, 
Um, come on, Martha. Like Jesus, Jesus, the savior of the world, he is sitting in your house and you are doing chores. I've really thought that before. Then I, then I come to realize, um, you know, Jesus wasn't just there alone. We, we actually know Jesus, Jesus was traveling at least with his 12 disciples. Most Bible scholars believe that Jesus was actually traveling with about 30 people, men and women. So Jesus showed up to Mary and Mar- to Martha's house. Her sister Mary was there. And, and Martha was being the hostess with the mostess, okay? She was like, I've got to feed these people. Uh, this is a big group of people. Imagine 30 people coming to your house. What are you going to spring into action to do? You're going to be productive. So I get it, right? This makes sense that Martha would get to work. But Mary had a different response. She saw Jesus for who he was, and she, and she just sat at his feet and listened to him speak. So um, Martha's off distracted. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? So there's a little sibling tiff going there. Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Other versions say, only one thing is needed. Another version says, only one thing is required. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So in the face of a lot of opportunity for productivity, Mary came and just sat at Jesus' feet. And just listen to him speak. And Jesus said, Mary had chosen the good part. It's not going to be taken away from her. Now, in this confrontation, let me tell you, Jesus wasn't rebuking Martha. I don't believe this was a rebuke. Actually, when you, when you read the text, and I'm not a scholar, so I'm not going to go into it. There's good evidence that Jesus wasn't rebuking Martha here. He was just lovingly guiding her back to saying, Mary's doing the most important thing here. Now, Jesus wasn't saying, don't serve. So please, don't think this is erasing last week's sermon. Jesus wasn't saying, don't serve. But Mary's starting point was to listen to Jesus. Now, I used to, if I'm honest, find myself 14, 15 years old, and I didn't have a lot of responsibility in my life. I had a few, but I thought it was a lot, but it wasn't a lot. I found it really easy to be Mary. I remember that I, um, I, I'm not patting my own back here, but I, I just remember some, some summer days, this wasn't all the time, my, my parents had a camper, and some days I'd be like, I am so eager to sit at Jesus' feet. I would go out to that camper at 5 a.m. and just sit, read my Bible, maybe turn some music on, not say much for prayers at all, probably fall asleep. And, and But I just wanted to sit and be Mary at Jesus' feet. Now I find myself, now that I'm married, I got a lot of job responsibility, I got two kids I'm trying to raise, um, and uh, I, I look and I'm like, I've really become Martha. I really became Martha. I'm worried and upset about so many things when one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And, and sometimes I look back at that and I'm like, if I'm honest, I'm like, Matt, what happened? Where did you lose yourself? 
Where did you lose that Mary inside of you that was so fascinated with Jesus that you just wanted to sit at his feet? It honestly, it's a, almost a haunting question for me right now, if I'm honest. It, it, it almost haunts my heart that there was a day when I so eagerly wanted to be Mary and just sit at Jesus' feet. And now it's like, it's like almost a task that I have to say, all right, I got to make sure I get it in there so that I can be at Jesus' feet, so that I can be close to him, so I can lead well, lead the church well, lead my family well. And somewhere, if I'm honest, I, I lost that sweet Mary side of me that said, Lord, I just, want, I just want to sit at your feet first. See, it's so easy to go after productivity when abiding is the call of Jesus. And I can do all the productivity I want to, but without abiding, there's not going to be fruitfulness. I've got to be connected to the vine. Does that make sense? And that, that leads me to the next thing. Uh, in abiding church, this is what it will look like. If we are abiding, we will prioritize people over programs. Now, programs are good. We love programs. Let's face it. We love programs in the church. They give us order. <clears throat> they keep us busy, which is not a bad thing. And they make us feel purpose, right? Purpose in ministry. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm really not talking down on programs. I love programs. I think God created the structure and, and we need it. Those aren't bad. But Jesus, when he was in his program of life, in, on his mission, do you know that most, not most, but uh, a good 40 to 60%, again, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I believe it was in somewhere in that 40 to 60% range of the miracles Jesus did were interruptions to him. Interruptions to where he was going, what he was doing, uh, where he had to be. People were coming and interrupting him all the time. And Jesus was always prioritizing people over the mission. People were always first. Think about the fact that Jesus really only had three and a half years of public ministry. There was a lot to be done. I mean, he had to save the world, right? I mean, I'm saying that jokingly, but like, really? Three and a half years to figure this all out. Um, I would love to do just a little piece of that in like 40 years of life. Jesus had a lot to get done, a lot of people to minister to. But even in that, somehow... He was interruptible by people rather than the program. As the church, we've got to prioritize people over the program just like Jesus did. And don't worry, if we do that, we can still be like Jesus and fulfill the goal he has for us. We really can do it if we prioritize people. See, this is not just a church issue right now. And I'm not even calling out Victory Church in particular. The whole church is struggling with it, but the whole world is struggling with it. We, we've got a fast paced world right now. We've all seen it in culture. We'll talk about it time and time again here at church, but uh, things are going fast. Matter of fact, I heard someone say this week and I thought it was excellent. In a world where we love to sing, Oh, holy night, so sweet, silent night, ah, peaceful. Our world looks a little bit more like grandma got run over by a reindeer. 
I, things are moving fast. I thought that was so good. Things are moving so fast, right? And we're just charging into, for church, it looks like program, right? But for the rest of our life, it looks like I got to accomplish this. I got to be productive. I got to get things done. Um, even, even things like I got to have personal growth. I got to keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. <clears throat> Jesus's pace was a lot slower. And inside of that pace, he was able to see people. See, I believe that is the pace of abiding. When we are connected to the vine, when we are connected to Jesus first, our pace is not going to look so fast. No more grandma got run over by the reindeer for us. All right? So the church isn't exempt from the struggle. We've got to abide if we are going to effectively be his church. Third thing, third observation that I've had this week is an abiding church prioritizes authenticity over posturing. See, our world has had enough people trying to make their lives look attractive, look like they have everything together, and make others think highly of them. Let me remind us, Victory, that is not our job as the church to make people think highly of us. We want people to think highly of Jesus. Amen? And so in that, it's really easy. If we ever find ourselves away from the vine, something that that will look like is sometimes we will prioritize looking like we've got things together. In part because we want to be connected to the vine. And let me tell you, there's a true element that once we're connected to the vine, things do go smoother for us. But the truth is, is that the gospel is messy. And in my life... And in your life, uh, when the gospel is doing its work, we aren't going to look all cleaned up to the world. Can anyone say amen? Have you experienced this? We're not going to look all cleaned up to the world. The gospel is a messy work because it's got to tear things off of us for us to be made clean and whole to connect to the vine. See, we cannot adopt posturing as a church. What do I mean when I say posturing? Here's a good definition of what posturing is. Posturing refers to adopting a particular attitude, stance, or behavior to convey a specific impression, often with the intention of influencing perception or achieving a desired outcome. So when we try to look like we're something better than who we are, it's a sham. We're being, we're being an imposter, right? If we try to look like we've got it together to the world, first off, let me just say the world sees through it and, it, and it's repulsive to them. And it's, I believe when we're trying to fake, it's repulsive to Jesus as well. But when we posture, we can't meet people where they are like we're called to. So it's just a big piece as we are, um, looking to be the church as we're looking to um, be like Christ, we've got to prioritize authenticity over posturing. I just believe in, in today's time, um, when when we are in a world of social media, when everyone is putting their best foot forward, there is actually a real attraction for people to see someone else who is just real about who they are. And I believe that's who God's people are called to be. Jesus isn't a mess, but man, the work of the gospel is, but we've got to let it happen in our heart. Something I wrestle with, and this is why I even say that I, I struggle with, um, 
I struggle with going to prayer first over my ideas and my plans. It's a real struggle for me. The reason I, I tell you things like that from here is that uh, sometimes I struggle with this thing called spiritual realism. And, uh, and it's actually challenging for pastors because while I'm so passionate about the gospel, I can stand here and preach a lot of things that are really aspirational for me. And I truly believe them to be best, and I truly want you to seek them as best. But if I only preach from this pulpit the aspirational things and don't share my real self, that, hey, some of these things are hard for me, there's actually this gap between what's aspirational, what I'm preaching here, and what my life looks like when you encounter me somewhere else. Does that make sense? And actually, in that gap right there, that's where shame from the enemy, condemnation, um, broken relationships, and, and sin can just fester and grow. So I, I do ask that as I'm here, give me grace in the fact that I'm going to share some things over time with you that's going to be like, really? Our pastor struggles with that? Our, our pastor wrestles with that? It's just real life. I'm trying to close that gap so there's not so much room for the enemy to come and say, Matt, you're a faker. But that's the call of the church. See, there is not an attraction to the outside world. As we try and go to be the church to people who don't know Jesus, they are not going to be attracted by you putting just your best foot forward and saying, man, look how I got it all together. People will see through that. We've just got to be real. Here's why. It's not about us. You can look as good as you can get yourself to look. You're not going to look nearly as good as Jesus. You aren't. Point people to Jesus. That's our job. See, as we are branches to the vine, everything goes back to the vine. Everything goes back to the vine. That's where we've got to be. Worship team, you can come on up. We're going to get close here. I just want to close with a, with a question for us and really a question for myself. Am I connected to the vine? Am I abiding? Am I trying to follow Jesus as a branch that has no life flowing into it? I had a, uh, something I saw on Facebook this week. Um, there's a guy that I know that he runs a gym up north in a little town called War Road. And he was just reminding people on Facebook. I thought this was kind of bold. He's like, you know, to take an hour of your day to work out, you know what percentage of your day that is? We make a lot of an hour. It's like 4%. It's actually not that big. And that that's in a different context here, but I was just blown away in, in preparing this and thinking about, man, what does abiding in Jesus look like? If we were to abide in Jesus as his church for just an hour a day, if we really are his church and we can connect to the vine, just 4% of our day, it sounds like so much. And I'm not telling you, you've got to go do an hour, right? But I've had this wrestle, and I encourage people, hey, if you can't do an hour, start with uh, five minutes, right? And, and that's, that's good. But as believers, we've got to keep leaning in and saying, what more life can I get from the vine? How much more can I lay off what I'm sourcing from the world and just source what I need from the vine? 
I can try as hard as I can to uh, work, work, work and try to bring fruit from my branch. Jesus just made a simple guarantee. Two things. If you're connected, you'll bear fruit. If you're disconnected, you won't bear fruit. Let's stand together if you're able. Jesus, as we've talked about how we are your church, I ask that you would give our hearts grace and remind us that our posture before you should be like Mary first. Jesus, you said to Martha, 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 you're worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Here's how he ended that. He said, Mary has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. Lord, I ask that you would set in our hearts a desire so strong to abide in you and only get our life and our sourcing from you. That Lord, we would see it as our only one thing that's needed. Father, would you set it so strongly in our hearts, our need to abide in you, that as you said for, for Mary, it will not be taken away from her. Lord, would the, uh, the spirit of abiding not be taken from us? Lord, would it be our focus and our aim? Jesus, we say you are the center of it all. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world can do. Everything, Jesus, revolves around you. Let's sing together as we close. this week as we go about our daily lives, um, as we go to work, as we're with our kids, um, as we serve our uh, children, friends, co-workers, workplaces, parents, grandparents. Lord, would we be reminded by your spirit this week, get close to the vine, get close to the vine. Lord, we want to receive everything that we live by from you. Lord, we thank you that you came and you you gave us the opportunity to be a branch. Lord, would you um, give us purpose in that this week? Would we find our purpose as we go? Lord, we find our purpose in prayer and reading scripture. Would we find our purpose in talking to you and listening to you? Lord, I just pray all these things. Lord, would you give us a grace? I just pray over this congregation. Lord, would you give grace to us? Holy Spirit, remind us this week to be close to you, to seek you, and in that place to find you. All God's people say amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us.